I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I Wasn't that awesome? I can't <laughs> sing it as well as that. Never mind. <laughs> Play the trumpet. Blimey. That was all levels of special, folks, because this is Dum De Dum, the show about the reality darky drama that has centred an average in the heart of the millions. I'm the cute little kid that is Roy Philbrand. I saw a real cute one in the cafe today, actually. I just kept on staring at her. She lovely had brown curly hair and was eating her little raisins and having a little taste explosion as she was eating. Oh. But anyway, and with me, I have the smelly nanny goat in the downward facing dog position that is lucy freeman and the last part of kate's guaranteed money spinner folks is you now this week's dum dum is from lucy mellon and her trumpet pupil william lucy says william has just passed his grade three with distinction so we learned barrett green for some downtime after his exam his parents are archers listeners and william is quite excited about being on the podcast he asks me every lesson if i've sent it in yet and if it's been on yet Thank you for all you do. I've been a listener since the very beginning of Dumpty Dum. You've got me up and down many mountains, literally and probably metaphorically too. I have been an Archer's listener since birth, which probably makes me an Alice, as she's the closest in age to me. I wouldn't mind being married to Chris either. He seems a lovely husband. He does. Probably much too lovely for her, to be honest. But anyway. Anyway, well done, William. That was blooming brilliant. It was. It was absolutely lovely. Uh, Lucy, now if somebody else wants to send us in a Dumpty Dum, how can they do that? Oh, by the way, do they need to be a music teacher playing the trumpet and have a pupil? No. If you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum, leave us a plot prediction or have Harris McBurns bundle you into a home because you forgot what you came in here for. Call us on 0203 <laughs> or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups and for doing the Dumpty Dogs, Shambridge for her voices, Mike Hatton for his character counts and to Derek in the back bedroom. Derek does not believe there is anything wrong with Auntie Cardboard, as he says he can testify firsthand that she's still got a firm grip on things. Yay. (laughs) On this week's episode, we're calling from Glyn, Jacqueline and Vicky Cole. We've got another one. Have we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vicky Cole. You you forgot that in your list. But first, before all the lovely caller in her is, it's Lucy Freeman and her week in Ambridge. We 
Lee began the week at Grange Farm, where Georgie was cheating wildly at Monopoly. He'd got Mayfair, two hotels on Pentonville Road, all the church roof fund and the bunting. We then popped <laughs> over to Home Farm, uh, where they were having another portentous meeting about the fact that they had broken all the soil at Home Farm. There was a high-pitched whining noise that kept disrupting the meeting, but once Jennifer piped down, they cracked on with the point of the meeting, which was to have yet another massive argument. Now Jenny Darling's getting her end away. She's all on Brian's side again. On the plus side, Kate had a batshit episode of epic proportions. She began fairly calmly, announcing, We've run out of my porridge. My porridge? Porridge is porridge, Spoiledilocks. Then she tried to show her dad her photos. Look, that's the Arizona desert, all scorched and bare. Oh, no, hang on, that's home farm. Look, that's one of the goats. <laughs> no, that's Auntie Shula. She then found out it was the land around her yurts that was going to be sold off. We know it'll sell quickly, as Charles already expressed an interest in it last time he was at Spiritual Hummus, having his scrotum realigned, said Brian helpfully. <laughs> it's supposed to be tranquil, roared Kate. <laughs> She'll come round when she's calmed down, said Brian, with the glib assurance of a man who's been fobbing women off for decades. Over at Lower Loxley, Elizabeth has firmly grasped the wrong end of the big gay stick and has decided Lily is Ina Lesba. <laughs> I take people as they are, she said earnestly, intense or out of them. Where is Lily, anyway? Has she <laughs> stump pump on the sit-on lawnmower? I hope she's not working too hard. They're doing hot pork roll at Open Farm Sunday, so I don't expect Lily will want to go. Elizabeth, anxious to do the right thing, went to ask Jenny Darling's advice. Jennifer, I just wanted to ask, when did you first realise that Adam might be boring, she asked. <laughs> well, at first I wasn't sure if he was actually boring or just shy, you know, said Jenny Darling. But then as he got older and I realised he didn't have any friends and people used to run away screaming, I thought maybe he was boring. But you know you love your children anyway. Being boring just wasn't something you talked about in those days. <laughs> Auntie Cardboard was asked to go to the stables to pick up a box. When she got there, Shula told her she couldn't pick up the box because she couldn't carry it. Looks like the only phone master in the village has fallen over again then. No wonder poor Auntie Cardboard thinks she's going round the bend. However, this entirely wasted journey did give Harassment Burns the opportunity to diagnose Auntie Cardboard with Alzheimer's because she'd got confused in the tea shop. This hardly seems fair. For a start, the poor old cow was struggling to hear over the deafening warbling of the bloody ink spots or whoever Fallon had decided would give the right D-Day vibe to her apocalyptic tea room. And she's not senile. She's bloody bored to absolute tears. She shares a house that permanently stinks of leek and potato soup. She has to listen to Auntie Piggy Rommel going on about chemical sterilisation for those that don't put their bins out on the right day and Hilda Ogden pees in her handbag unless it's Auntie Piggy of course <laughs> in which case Harrison's barking at the wrong tree entirely more socialising at home farm where Adam is still desperately trying to rope in pickers his brilliant idea is to have a barn dance which is like being shouted at in PE but worse because it's hotter and everyone's wearing gingham Kate rubbished this <laughs> and said cinema tickets or a gym membership would appeal to the young folks how would she know she's 40 Drink. This is what appeals to the young folks. Cheap drink and sex, or possibly a rave. They could fit the polytunnels with flashing lights, play awful music really loudly, charge everyone £200 to get into the polytunnel and poo in a ditch and then make them sleep in the wrong caravans. <laughs> Adam decided he needs to make the whole place buzz with, buzz with hormones. It's already buzzing with so many chemicals it glows like Sellafield every night, Adam. Shula and Alistair carried on with their awkward little menage unfortunately, dirt at the stables. 
Alistair got bored, so he took a Labrador's <laughs> teeth out, which reminded him of Shula. She cooked them both spaghetti bolognese. They laughed at goats. Then he said, aha, you are laughing at goats and happy and eating spaghetti. Thus, you must want to get back together again with me. Hurrah! And started moving his gym jams back into her room. When she said, hang on a minute, Speedy Gonzales, he got all huffy and left. I'm beginning to think they deserve each other. Philip and Tom had a willy-waving competition over who had most recently weed up Kirsty. Philip, <laughs> Philip, or Mob Light, as I like to call him, seemed not to want Tom and Kirsty to be friends. Tom does not want Philip and Kirsty to be friends. If Kirsty has got any sense, which she has not, she will not be friends with either of them, and she will become Ina Lesba too. The end. Oh, Lucy. You know... I I laughed lots in that. That 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 was a triumph. However, um, mm. there's a couple of things I need to pull you to task about. Okay. Yes. All right. Number one, Brian mm-hmm. fobbing women off. He's yes. been getting away with. He's been not only doing it, but getting away with it for the last forty years. I didn't say he wasn't getting away with it. I just said. It's oh, I suppose he, it just... He just says, "Oh, they'll be all right when they calm down," and carries. You know, fundamentally, he's been proved off. correct, though, hasn't he? Yes. Come on. Yes. Yes. No, no, no. That's but that's more full them, I say. But anyway. And no talk of golden showers, please. It's not that type of podcast. <laughs> please. Now, last week in Ambridge, where do you want to start? Oh, um. Do you care more about Ruth's impending birthday? How about the Grundies having a moment? How about Will being tone deaf? Will seems to be the single most staggeringly ungrateful person I've ever come across. I mean, Emma is just mm. pitching up there like some kind of unpaid au pair, bringing him Like free some stuff. kind of ex-wife. Well, bringing him strawberries, mm. cancelling his children, trying to get it, you know, and all this tiptoeing around him because you, you know what he's like. You know, he wants to get a, get a good grip of himself and realise that if he if he carries on being rude to people in the way he is, people will not help him and then he will be entirely on his own. But hasn't he realised that he's has been rude to people? He's apologised a couple of times. The thing is with he Will... Doesn't, he doesn't ta- learn, ta- does he? Sorry. But I'll lose. <laughs> take, put the grief to one side. One thing William Grundy is, is emotionally deaf, right? He doesn't understand nuance does he so he can't see the, you know the wood for the trees regarding mia etc no. can he no and 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 that that's he's fundamentally tone deaf when it comes to reading in between the lines yeah. and it's plain for everyone his father can see it his mother can see it emma you name it everyone else can can work out what's going on but he does and it's not just because he's in you know stage six or five or whatever it is of mm. grief he's just a bloody but he burke, yeah. right? He just doesn't see stuff like that. Well, he doesn't want to. No, for him, the whole world is black and white, isn't mm. it? And it's very so convenient re- for him to see anything he doesn't want to see, so he just doesn't see it. Well, I I see it as some kind of form of emotional dyslexia myself, right? Or, you know, that it's not that he doesn't want to, he just doesn't see it. Everything's black and white. When the women wanted to join the cricket team, it was just wrong, yeah. you know. <laughs> No, it's a, him and his brothers, you know, there's, he's, he's, it's just either one thing or another. There is no middle ground with him. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and in that way, it's played, it's written completely and utterly faithfully to the character. Yeah. But there's just this sort of expectation he has that everything will be fixed. You know, 
that he doesn't have to confront anything unpleasant because everything we fix. And I don't know where he gets that from. I mean, whether it's Clary always wading in in the past or because everything has always eventually turned out all right for him. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think I think you're right. I think he has a very black and white view of the world. And he just thinks if you do the right thing, it'll all work out right, which is where he's got this sense of sort of um, grievance from that that Nick has died. Something catastrophic has happened to him. And in his mind, he hadn't done anything to deserve it, which is, you know, I think that's quite a typical reaction to sort of a sudden death as well. Hmm. There's a big study done, um, Swedish study done on people who've won the lottery and actually how they feel about life. And, And then actually there is some level of regret um, and the fact that they can't actually really express how happy they are that they've had this uh, through no no skill of their own through you know they've had this fortune drop in their lap and 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 the and the obverse has got to be true you know with um with this in that you have elevated sense of righteousness in that this thing has happened to you so people have to to a certain degree kind of like kowtow and stuff mm. so but anyway I, i'm wondering i'm doing a, doing a lucy thing try, trying to understand the human psyche i'm probably not doing um, an awfully good job but um i'll tell you what i did like this week and this is maybe a naughty thing to say when i say this week i mean last week adam actually displayed oh should i really say this I was going to actually say that the actor plays Adam, who really I should know his name by now, but like he actually slightly acted a bit last week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, back goes our chances of him ever coming on the show, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you don't know his name because we're never going to find out anything about Mm. him. Well, him losing it at Brian, Mm. I just thought, wow, you know, we've moved out of uh, plummy voice on stage declaiming to... Plummy voice on stage declaiming, but going through another gear. And um, and for a moment, I, I was completely utterly, I, I believed in his just utter anger that yet again, there was more shit to be dealt with. Yeah. And it came from the, the font of Brian, fundamentally. Yeah. yeah. So so I, I, I like that. And, and, Jenny's, and just, then... Jenny's just trying to do her sort of um, contain, contain, contain thing. Well, we've just got to move forward now, haven't we? You know, which is exactly what she said about Rory, exactly what she said about you know, when he's been caught out on previous affairs and, you know, various sort of um, dodgy things have happened. Well, we've just got to move on, haven't we? You know, how many times can they just keep moving on, never actually go, Adam, I mean, just stop and go, Brian, forgot when you stop putting us in this bloody position all the time. But fundamentally, isn't isn't Jenny correct when you look at the whole span of 40 plus years of uh, Brian being at home farm? She's correct. You know, they will find a way through. They've had, as you said, many a crisis. And um, pretty much all of which have been caused by Brian. (laughs) Just because they've got through them all doesn't mean he should have done it in the first place. Well, Kate caused a few herself. Right. And. And then, you know, Jenny did have a little dalliance with that. Was he a publisher? Did she have that little mini affair? Yeah, I know some something. He was a, a man of letters, so you know, but not that it equals the scale somewhat. Because yeah, oh. Brian is by far the the, the multiple offender. Mm-hmm. I just need to say something quickly. In here, um, poor old with a spoon. Um, our lovely long term caller in the psychotherapist from New York is very very poorly sick, um, and is in the hospital uh, and has been ill for a few days. 
but today is feeling much, much better and has gone for a little walk. He said he texted me just now. So um, send lots of love and nice messages to him because he said he really um, loves hearing from people. And that is what is keeping him feeling as cheerful as he can do. Yeah, and um, the outpouring of love, concern and affection has been uh, large, shall I say, um, on, on the socials. And I'm sure Millie Bell will uh, will cover that later. Um, right, so are we going to bother with Chris, uh, Christine and Harrison, Freddie and his sister? Or should we just go to straight to caller in Let's do, go straight to the caller in All right, then. OK, I will oh, do. What, do you get the same Rob, Rob, Rob shiver from Philip? Yes, you, yes, you? absolutely. Absolutely. And um, we'll come on to that later. It, it, that whole thing has taken a turn, which no one was expecting. But you know what? I like it. Not because he's Rob Light, but just because uh, the character of Kirsty is actually at the centre of something as opposed to her being periphery. Yeah. Uh, and, and it, you know, it yes. It the return of, uh, the return of uh, Kirsty to Tom though, doesn't it? Well, there is definitely something up. Mm. And, but anyway, let's do caller in okay. and uh, we can discuss this in between. Hello, Ambridge3962. Uh, should we have Claire Asprey first? Why not? Hi, Dumpty Dum. It's Claire from Clapham here. I haven't called in for a while, but I was prompted to by a couple of things this week. Firstly, quite disappointed in Philip because I know we don't know that much about him because he mainly seems to exist, as I've said before, as a means for other people to unburden themselves and he doesn't have much of his own personality. The one thing that I did think we knew about him was that he was kind of mature and quite emotionally intelligent um, and sort of kind of sure about himself in a way. And the way he spoke to Tom in the pub this week was really quite immature, infantile, mm. a bit kind of defensive maybe. Um, and I wouldn't have expected it from him as a character so far as we know him now. And I think that's a shame because he's gone right down in my estimations, um, which is... I don't know where that's going. And clearly the conversation between Kirsty and Tom earlier implied there was still something. And, gosh, the the will they won't, they will they won't be does drive me a bit nuts on this. So I I would be sorry if Kirsty ended up with Tom. I think she could do better. Um, But then I think she could do better in terms of getting out of Ambridge and having a different life. So (laughs) there you go. Um, Secondly, why was Christine all over the week if there's not something going on? Um, you know, we've learned this from our script writers recently that someone comes back and sort of features for a while and it's usually it's because the Grim Reaper's about to call. So <laughs> I fear for Christine. Um, I do hope that she is okay and um, we'll see where it goes. But the the theories that are around about kind of Peggy having changed her will in her favour, I think that would be very interesting to see. Um, uh, I would look forward to that. I hope it comes on the back of uh, the whole of the home farm inheritance falling apart as well that would be very good okay keep up the good work see you soon bye oh right <laughs> we, we're both uh left left on uh, um uh, unprepared there um why don't you go first freeman because i'm still collecting my thoughts about our phil it is yes i agree when i'm not sure that i'm getting quite the 
sinister thing that I got from Rob, but I am definitely... Loose, that was pure sinister. <laughs> it was pure sinister. This man is like, she's my woman, back the fuck off. Yeah, but right. that to me, I think the word that Claire used that I related to was immature. That he's just using a very old school, patriarchal, my exactly my woman thing. Um and but it doesn't seem to be manipulative. It just seems to be quite outright. If you lose, what are you talking about? He then lied to Kirsty about exactly what Tom had said. Yeah, yeah. All right then. Okay, he's Rob. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't want to do all that again. I really don't. I don't want another senility storyline. I don't want another coercive control storyline. Could we could we have some new things rather than just recent? Oh, that worked in the past. Let's do that again. I mean, I know life is a certain amount of kind of, you know, rolling out the same old tropes, but that's life. We don't have to have it in um in 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 our entertainment. Hmm. I think let's let's go through these one by one. Very obviously, this cannot play out exactly the same way as Rob and Helen because it's not that life just repeats itself, but life, a soap cannot repeat itself in 18 months, right? So so it's not going to be the same. So maybe the difference here is going to be that uh, Phil is maybe Rob Light, but Kirstie's going to see this um, and head this off at the pass. There's three things that we know about Phil, which is somewhat, I think, kind of instructive, that he said that when he split up from his wife, he did a certain amount of dating. So that yeah. shows that on some level he has some kind of social empathy, he's a, a warm and he's an attractive figure. Um, then the question you would then ask, because he said he, threw, he, he said he threw himself into it, then why did he throw himself into it? What is it about mm. him that he couldn't stay with one person? Mm-hmm. So there's that, right? So there's a slight question mark there. Then um, num- then we have him being a great shoulder uh, for Shula and Alistair, for them to not necessarily cry on, but uh, you know be able to talk to. And again, it just goes to amplify the fact that he has this kind of social an- antenna, which is kind of, kind of writ large. Mm. But the other thing which I think is very instructive is that he, when he deli- when he says to Kirsty, "Let's go and meet my folks," Kirsty wasn't exactly fulsome with her, no. uh, you know, like gun honus with the idea, was she? She was like, yeah. Well, mm, "Yeah, if you yeah. kind of think so." Yeah. Right. So, and she doesn't know what he's just said to Tom. What he's yeah. just said to Tom, she has no idea. So she, there, she's having reservations. There is something not quite right, which us, the listeners, we were not privy to. So, so there is something there. Here is somebody that, on the outside, um, is an attractive, warm figure, somewhat older than her, mm. but Kirsty's not quite feeling it. No, and I think it's not by accident that we are having this kind of parallel um, storyline where Tom can't get a woman to pay him attention for love nor money, quite mm. literally, and then here is Kirsty in a relationship, but maybe slightly unhappy, you know, frustrated, mm. at least having questions. Mm. Yeah. But the way that, did you notice on Twitter how as soon as people heard that sort of 
that exchange, how quickly it it went berserk with people going, oh my God, did you hear that? We've got our antenna so kind of attuned to this now. Whenever there's ever a whiff of it. Well, you wouldn't need an antenna to, to pick that up because that was just pure menace as far as I was mm. concerned. But I, I, I'm not really much on, on the Twitters loose. So if the, oh, no. if, if the question is, did you see that on Twitter? Invariably, the answer is no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want another coercive control storyline. Well, mm, I don't think they're going to serve us up one so soon. Good. Mm. Who's next? Glyn. Hello, Dumpty Dum. Glyn here. Uh, first this week, I think I, like many other listeners, uh, would like to send my best wishes to Witherspoon. Very sorry to hear that you've been ill. Hope you get better soon and are back contributing to us on the wonderful Dumpty Dum podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but turning to the archers, um, I was listening to the Today programme. Um, earlier this week and heard Ian Duncan Smith who reminded me of Shula. (laughs) Why might you say he reminded me of Shula? Well, it strikes me that Shula's a bit like a Brexiteer um, in that she wants to leave the partnership uh, but without suffering any of the consequences and believing that everything (laughs) will be fine. The other party will be quite happy with her decision and um, that uh, you know, there's no real consequences of, of of this, and you know anything that does happen is going to be good thereafter. Um, and now, like um, I suspect, many Brexiteers are realising it's not quite that simple. Um, Alistair is a little bit like the European Community, uh, initially wounded and not really understanding the decision, and um, therefore not. <laughs> predisposed to make life easy uh, for the other party. The only thing is, I'm not entirely sure where Lavinia Rafferty fits into the whole Brexit metaphor. Other things, so oh, not that bothered about the Freddie and Lily story, enjoying <laughs> seeing the Aldridges going through their latest travails. Um, well, we'll see where, we'll, we'll see if they have any money left at the end of the groundwater scandal. Um, but I think that's my two minutes up for this week. So thank you very much, everybody, and keep doing great. Oh, right. Ooh, that was up. Yeah, all right. Very good. Uh, I have, that, that's a fantastic, a Brexit metaphor for Alistair and Shula. That is what, brilliant. That was all levels of genius, though. Yeah. I was furiously thinking, just as he just as he said, Lavinia Rafferty, I thought yeah. to myself, where's Lavinia come into this as well? But uh, yeah. But I think Lee. sadly, Lavinia is whoever's getting shagged in this. And I think that's probably us, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the remainers are Lavinia Rafferty, Glyn. <sighs> right. Mm. <laughs> um, so Lily and Freddie, I think, yet again, the, we've seen actually how close they actually are um in the you know of course freddie hasn't ratted ratted her out to mum but he's saying you need to sort this out mum's kind of on to you type of thing there he is he's displaying his immaturity because giggling behind the kitchen door (laughs) uh, you know when uh mum thinks because you do there's a brilliant um show starring the lovely um tamsin greg who will be um friday night dinner Friday night dinner, yes. I don't know whether whether um, uh, uh, Debbie is going to 
uh, ever come back or whether she's just going to doomed to be a Skype noise forever. But um, Friday night dinner, and it has one of the best um, displays of a, of an adult sibling relationship. I have, well, I say adult, they're acting like 12 year olds, but sibling relationship I've ever seen. They just squat, they, you, they are both supposed to be in their early 20s and they squabble, they play horrible tricks on each other, they cannot wait to drop each other in it. They, it's an absolutely brilliant um, uh, sort of um, representation of an adult sibling relationship. And I thought Freddie giggling outside the door, no matter how old you get, there is still, you know, the idea of your sibling getting into trouble in that sort of, in something something silly or funny happening is just will always be hysterical and uh, there was something sort of very sweet and very realistic i thought about that in that he's he's sort of delighting and especially there's a bit of schadenfreude because lily's the good one there's mm. sort of a bit of that and there's a bit of uh glee just at the general humor of it of of, of elizabeth thinking that she's she's gay and that she's invented this there's this girlfriend that she's convinced is a, is, a, is a girlfriend and not an imaginary person and then um, you know, there's Freddie's just kind of his, his genuine concern for her and saying, look, watch it. Because it, it is always your sibling that is like the early warning system for parental, you know, disapproval. Get Watch it. Watch it. She, by the way, she knows about so-and-so. Be careful, you know. Blah, blah, blah. And, it, you know, mm. it, it was a really, really well written, I think. It, absolutely. And, and again, I just contrast it with um, with Shula and Kenton. They're supposed to be twins, and we don't get. And of course, um, Kenton and Shula don't don't live together in the way that Lily and Freddie do. But considering what his sister's going through, he's not on the phone. He's not just popping round, other than taking her for a spin in a car. Um, he's, mm. he's done naff all, you know. Which again, yeah. just to show the kind of the isolation really of yeah. on Shula in in this whole thing. But yeah. then goes to play up the warmth between these these other twins the other the other siblings yeah you know over in uh uh lower loxley yeah yeah but um i am i am basically struggling to care um whether or not uh, lily gets gets found out in her in her dodgy relationship with russ or if freddie is exposed as a smackhead um because i find i'm going to make us care though well, maybe yes. I presume if it's Lily going to be one of those stories, it's going to it's one of those storylines where you know we we we've tripped into it, and we're going. What's the point of this? A bit like Auntie Christine, but they're going to make us care. Yeah, I, I think with Auntie Christine, I think it is a long burn. I think that a slow burn. Sorry, I think that who's that um, caller in her last week that gave us that long range prediction? Laurie. I yeah, La- I think Laurie's spot on the money there. That this can just mm. drift away with, with with Auntie Chris. No, she's not suffering from dementia, but you know she she had a senior moment. It was as simple as that. Yeah. But yeah. Peggy is going to have this kind of concern, and 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 this though it's not going to be such a long burn because you know you, you can't be shagging your, your your deputy head of your of your sixth form college, um, but because we're not invested in Lily too much actually as a character we're a bit like kind of so what you know the stakes yeah. for us are very yeah, low yeah, with yeah. her actually as a character but you know we'll, we'll get there pretty soon because Russ is gonna gonna do something we're gonna go ooh, you know that the power imbalance is gonna be writ large and emotionally we're gonna rush to defend our Lily mm. well, I think it's her voice that drives me so bonkers 
Well, Lou, she kind of sounds a bit like you, posh. <gasps> no, I don't over-enunciate like that. Well, to my brummy ears, you do. <laughs> no, no, there's a slight difference. There's a slight difference. Good, but, uh, but I, I've always been a Lily fan from from, from day one. From that whole Nolly Tando uh, dust up with "You look very urban." Um, I thought to myself, <laughs> well, that's a "Girl, very urban look, isn't it?" Yeah, yeah, I thought you're bang out of order. You're rude, but like they're painting her out to be different from any other uh, young, dare I say, white yeah. female on the arches. Lily yeah. Pargeter is different. And I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. She's a lot more right. interesting than bloody Pip. Okay. Right. Who is it now? Jacqueline. No, Jacqueline was last week. Oh, it's not Jacqueline. Who is it now? No. Jacqueline was totally oh, last week. It's, it's, it's our Vicky. Hello, everyone. This is Vicky Cole, um, now in Colombo in Sri Lanka. First of all, um, I just wanted to send really good wishes to our friend Witherspoon for a very quick and speedy recovery. Um, do get well soon, dear Witherspoon, we miss you. Secondly, you never know where Dumpty Dum is going to take you, do you? I absolutely love the story of Nicholas Winton. And as Lucy said, if you haven't seen the That's Life clip on YouTube um, with all the, the children now grown up that he'd rescued, do. I cry every single time. It's just <laughs> lovely. Um, and I'd not heard the other story about the gentleman who sacrificed himself with his orphans. I mean, again, tears to the eyes. My goodness. Uh, but back to the archers. Um, the story with the land next to Kate's yurts. Oh, my goodness. This is going to be good, isn't it? I should think the actor who plays Kate is rubbing her hands in glee. There should be opportunities for some real vintage Kate dialogue, I would think. Um, but I'm hoping you can help me out because I can't remember where her startup money came from for Spiritual Home. I have vague recollections of Lillian helping her with the business plan, um, which makes me wonder if it, it was a bank loan. Um, and if so, and then the business goes under, then that's a whole lot more money they're going to have to find to repay that. Um, but I could be wrong, and maybe it came from the bank of Auntie Peggy. As usual, um, I don't know, but perhaps someone can remind me about that. As I say, I think we're in for some good scenes. Lots of love to everybody, and thanks, as always, for the podcast. Bye. Bye. It was from Debbie. Well remembered. Um, she, Lillian helped her with the business plan, mm-hmm. and um, uh, she didn't make a bad fist of it for once. And then, um, yeah, Debbie, Debbie, when Debbie was last over, she felt that she should do something to support her rather than just endlessly sort of uh, criticising her like everyone else did. So she she stumped up the cash. Well, remembered. as soon as you said that, then then I remember, but I wouldn't have remembered otherwise. So uh, good on you, Mrs. Hmm. It was I... a great scene when Adam went. I loved it when I, when Adam said, Oh, you you know, so uh, th- 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 when she he sort of accidentally let slip that it was the land around the yurts and Kate just went off like a <laughs> Roman candle. And then it was like them two racing to get to Brian's office to have it out with him. You could imagine like jostling in the doorway <laughs> first, and Kate's running in there going, you must be joking. And then Adam comes flung and going, oh, Brian, I tried to stop her. <laughs> it's just really funny. <laughs> You know, that was just a great scene, somewhat kind of comic, but so, so incredibly, incredibly believable with her yeah. as a character that she would just lose it. And there's Adam going, oh, bloody hell, I thought she knew. I thought she <laughs> I, need, I need to tell Brian, you know. 
um, which which reminds me actually, I had um, I met I met up with a fan of yours the other the other day, Lucy. Who dat? Uh, that be Kerry Davis. No, uh, we went and saw DJ Dave Haslam give uh, a book reading at Birmingham Town Hall. Oh, yeah, because a uh, friend of the podcast, Nick, um, invited uh, invited me along. Nick Reed invited me along uh, because we's going to go there and do a Dumdy Dum in October, aren't we? We are. We are. Yep. And he said, Royfield, why don't you come along? Did you do, do? Do people know about that? No, no. This is the first time I've uttered the words um, "dum de dum" at Birmingham Town Hall uh, in conjunction together on this podcast. Okay. So it's going to be October the seventh, which is a Sunday. Oh God! Um, I think we're on four thirty. But you know who we're warming up for? Who? Frank Skinner. Are you kidding? Well, we're not technically warming up for him he's doing a performance afterwards but oh. he's on afterwards it's part of the Flaming Birmingham Literary Lord. Festival and Dum De Dum Live will go forth from Birmingham Town Hall and we've got Nick Reed to thank or to wave on shake our fists at whichever one you want to you want to do Lucy I'm thanking him for the opportunity you seem Ooh. to be a little bit more nervous though I've got you've given me butterflies already why because I'm really scared. Anyway. Hang on. October the 8th, did you say? I thought I said the 7th. Oh, good. Yeah, okay, that's a, that's a Sunday, yes. Yeah. Crikey, Moses. Birmingham. Oh, God, I'm just putting it in my diary now. It'd be a shame if it wasn't there, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought it was Monday. <laughs> it's quite likely that would happen. <laughs> But the oh, whole point of me yeah. having this little, um, this little kind of like sideways um, chat was just to say that um, number one, that Kerry is a massive fan of yours, but you kind of knew that, and he just was just marvelling about how clever and funny you are. Oh, was he hell? He was. He so was. Number one. And then num- number two. Number two. Um, we're going to do a uh, Dum Extra. I'm going to do a, a Dum Dum Extra with, with Kerry. Because um, he's been... Guess how long he's been writing The Archers for? 142 years. Almost 25. Wow! It's his 25th uh, anniversary of being an Archers writer. So we're going to record it um, this week. And it will be on everybody's feed tomorrow. So if, you, uh, if you're a Patreon supporter or a PayPal supporter, because there are a few of those, you'll get an extra special show with me talking to Mr. Kerry Davis. <laughs> now, one thing I would say about, about our conversation is that um, he was, I think Kerry was, was quite honest about, um, as honest as he can be, you know, he can't tell me, obviously, future storylines and how them how the mapping things out but we did talk about past storylines and it's something which we i definitely want to touch on with with, our, with the interview where he actually thinks that the script right where the script editors maybe made mistakes before in the past mm-hmm. but the one thing that kerry did say to me is that he said some time ago i actually said we have too many characters in the archers and there are many characters that just go missing for months and months mm. and months. Yeah. And you literally forget all about them. And I say that because I am in love with the character of Kate Aldridge. She's brilliant. She, she's much more clever than we actually give, give her credit. 
but she brings an emotional honesty and a foolishness and an immaturity to it, which is a great counterbalance to the other characters of the Aldridge family. And she's just fantastic. And and we and we kind of saddled with um one character of the Aldridge family that the, that a lot of us struggle with, you know, Adam. And but there are, you know, there is Alice, there is Kate, you know, and and that's before you talk about the whole Debbie thing. There's, there's different there's different issues there. She's she's a very successful and busy actor, so she can't be, you know, jetting to Birmingham all the time to deliver three lines and then going going all the way back. <laughs> Hello, you two. Meow. <laughs> she goes exactly. <laughs> but when when I when Kerry said this to me, I immediately thought of the character of Kate Aldridge because she she yeah. is gold. She yeah, is gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there, there is your Robert Snells. There are these great periphery characters who you just... But certain people kick up a... They kick up... They sort of charge a scene or they sort of kick up a bit of dust every time they're on and you can see it on Twitter. The whole... The little... The tweeter log suddenly goes, wee when you get Lillian or you get um, Kate or you get one of those characters. It's sort of... Absolutely. It, it, it's a little electric charge. Absolutely. And because I think Kerry said there's at one point there were 90 active characters. There's 12 minutes. Yeah. We said this six times a week, 12 minutes a day, six times a week. Yeah. For 90 characters. Yeah. No, it's it's kind of bonkers. But anyway, uh, folks, so if you have if you're a Patreon supporter, you know, great. If you're not, why aren't you on? Uh, next week, you have a WM Extra. Well, we'll we'll dig into the weeds of the last 25 years of Archer script writing. Whee! Yee. All right, now, so what should we do now then, Lucy? Well, I've got four minutes left. Right, so I okay then. What we're going to do, we're going to come back the other side uh, of, of an ad break, because uh, ad breaks are good, and then we're going to have a touch of the socials, and then afterwards, it's going to be Lucy and a tweet to the last seven days. <laughs> Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to The Things That Made England. I'm Roy Phil Brown and with me I have... David Crowther of the History of England. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. 
She was the people's princess. We shall fight on the beaches. Oh, wait, man. These are the things that made England. We shall fight on the landing ground. These are the things that made I England. I have a body, but of a weak and evil woman. These are the things that made England. And a king of England, too. These are the things that made England. Cry God for Harry! And these are the things that made England. England! And St. George! These are the things that made England. It gives wind in Churchill sails to say we can continue to fight on. Well, there cannot be many more famous events in English history than 1066. It hurts, (laughs) even now. Because 1066 is important. Yeah. But there's aspects of modern British culture which I think get overlooked. So I'm proposing that this week we do Scar. For me, the English flag has in the past certainly become associated with factionalism and, well, hideous racist and far-right views. And it's turned into a thing of disunity and almost xenophobia. The idea of this show is to decide on what things that make England as she is. The country that, despite it all, we feel lucky to be part of. Every week, one of us, that is David and I, will pitch an idea to the other to be designated as one of the things that makes England distinctive. Go and join our shiny new Facebook site where once a month we will post a poll where, should you so desire, you can make your own very suggestions for applications to the I Made England Award. So, without more ado, let's do it. Good day, everyone. Well, as Yoko Bear said last week, it is getting a bit slow on our forum page. So, please, can you get on there and have a bit of a chat with people? Uh, we're not really sure what to do to improve it for you. But that's another thing you could do is to maybe get on there and say what would make it more attractive for you to be involved. We would love you to start that conversation. On the Facebook page, as you probably all know, we had we all now know that Witherspoon has had um, a heart event, a heart incident. He is okay, but obviously he has to recover and that could take some time. Anyway, we posted up uh, just a little notice about this and asking people to put any messages they had for Witherspoon because we knew that if he could, he would check in because he is a very active member of Dumpty Dum. And my goodness, what a response. We had more responses to that, I think, than anything else I've been involved with on the Dumpty Dum page. So from the absolute bottom of my heart, I thank you. Uh, It really is a community and I think it would have been good for Witherspoon to know how much we really care. Because we do, don't we? Um, In other news, we talked about a number of issues, but I'm just going to talk about two today uh, that came up later in the week. Um, We said that Lizzie and Harrison had both showed their caring sides for one of the episodes, but it was a shame that Freddie is too immature to help his mother out. But then again, he is only 18, so, you know, it is understandable. Um, And there was a discussion earlier in the week about the way that uh, Freddie talks to his mother, which I think can be quite disrespectful. And there were a lot of people saying, oh, well, that's his age and, and, you know, that's how young people behave. And I... I work with that age group. I have had, I've got four kids of my own and honestly, rarely do parents accept that level uh, unless it's a joke. Like my kids will often be disrespectful when we're messing around, but talking seriously and and I'm talking also of the students I teach. So I don't know. 
maybe in another country things are different, but I don't think so. I think young people try it on and, you know, sometimes they just need to know where the boundaries are. Um, but we also um, were talking about Auntie Cobble's uh, memory lapse. Joanne Smith said um, that she actually enjoyed Freddie's comments. I feel that if Lily is going to opt for lying to her mother, then it's her own fault. If um, that opens her up to Elizabeth making incorrect assumptions, let's face it, almost any amorous relationship you have to lie about is probably one you think twice about. Joanne, that is such good advice. Anything you have to lie about is probably not kosher. Love it. Uh, Janice Betson said, I'm waiting for Lizzie to invite Meredith to lower lock." Loxley for tea. How will Lily wriggle out of that? Lizzie will imminently, eminently, become, imminently become determined to get to know Meredith. I'm sure. Um, Helena Kate said, "I think the exhibition stuff showed Auntie Chrissy's memory is absolutely fine when something interesting happens." Um, Cla- Carrie Jones said, "I thought it was funny when Lizzie started on the LGB. Oh, have I got that right? Wait a minute." LGBHW community, no LGBTR community, I feel the same way. I guess I was a little bit surprised because it's had a very high profile here in Australia. But then, of course, we did have the uh, SSM vote last year, the same-sex marriage vote. So maybe that brought it to the fore. Um, I also have a gay daughter, so maybe I um, it comes up in conversation, uh, those initials more. But we in, in Australia... We say LGBTQIA, um, and interestingly, I've always wished there was something or some symbol that for those of us who are allies, but not necessarily representing ourselves as part of that community, because we're not, um, that there was a symbol for us. And I see that the A on LGBTQIA is uh, used as either um, asexual or allies, so maybe things are, in, you know, improving for all of us but I do I absolutely agree it's a bit of a mouthful isn't it um we also and finally were talking um about Kate um who moved swiftly from being really lazy in the last episode to high moral outrage uh Jeremy Shaw said she uh was given she hasn't had to do a damn thing apart from prat about with a load of hippies Grow up, Kate, and live in the real world, you utter freak. There I said it. Now I need my chakras, ch- is it chakras? Balancing inner yurt, <laughs> near some toxic water. Nice, Jeremy. And Denise Ann Smallwood said, Kate and her sister Alice are two of the most entitled spoiled brats ever. I agree, Denise. She acted like she had to work her fingers to the bone to get her business off the ground. How much capital of her own went into the setup? Everything was handed to her, I'm sure. Her attitude is way out of whack. Absolutely, and she just got, you know, she just had a junket overseas for no reason at all, really. Most of us have to put in application and beg to get any kind of scholarship. She just went straight over there. Um, and Anne Lydon wondered whether she ever pays rent for her business premises, and she doubts it. So there was lots in there. She didn't get a lot of support in that thread, actually. So, you know, <laughs> that made me feel good, That, but then maybe made me wonder if I was being a bit biased. Anyway, um so glad that we have Yoko Beer back. Uh, love to all of you who've um, sent love to Witherspoon. And I will speak to you in a fortnight. So until then, hooroo. Thank you for that, Millie Bell. And those um, all those messages to our Witherspoon were really touching and lovely. Uh, Luce, yeah. hit us with some tweets. This is the epitome 
of a Radio 4 The Archers tweet. And it should be it should be put on some sort of stonework and left as a memorial. Janet9998. Here we go. They're yurts. You dismantle and move them. That's why they're yurts. Traditional home of Central Asian nomadic peoples. Pick them up, re-erect in different field with view of goats. At the World Nomad Games, one of the events is time trial yurt erecting. (laughs) (laughs) That is one of the single most Radio 4 tweets I've ever heard. Olympians talking about uh, poor Rob Kirsty. She wasn't left at the altar. She never made it to the altar. She was chucked in the vestry. (laughs) Harsh. Um, Saar said, I think Philip was right. Tom is a big-headed twat, interfering in Kirsty's business. The old, I didn't want her, but don't want anyone else to have her. I hope Tom never finds happiness and gets really old and bitter. Oh, hang on a minute. (laughs) Yes. Um, Owen Kiffin said, I like to think I'm humane. But how has Kate reached the age she is without being clubbed to death with a rolled up yoga mat? (laughs) (laughs) And Tweet of the Week is a very good pun from Feeksby23, who said, bear with me, what kind of soup does Shula like? And the answer is, to Marta. (laughs) (laughs) We're done. We're done. Dungeon.com, go there. It's got shops, got a tractor. Tractor is where you can pin yourself to a map of the world and see if there is another archers forward slash dum dum fan close by, which you then you can commune with. Um, Patreon, go. Uh, I've run out of time again to do my big... I did a big impassioned plea for more money, you see, on, on the show that we lost. All right, we'll do, we'll do that. We'll do that next week. But one okay. thing I'm going to be... Uh, I'm, go on patreon.com and give us some bloody money. Yeah, this is not an impassioned plea. It's just a plea. Go and write us a review. It's really important. So other people get to see the show and we'll go up those iTunes charts. If you haven't written us a review on Apple Podcasts or a podcatcher of your choice, please go and do that. Um, and then I've got to read out uh, social media and you'd think I'd know. Oh, no, no. Oh, remember to get in contact with us. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website or you can call us on 0203-0313-105 to leave us a telephonic message via a telephonic device, sometimes called a telephone. Hmm. I used to really like it when telephones were always made out of baker light, but they're not anymore. Those are the days. Uh, Lucy, um, mm-hmm. you're at Lucy B. Freeman on Twitter, yeah. aren't you? Right, I'm at Royfield, and uh, you can find us at Dumpty Dum, and that's us on the Twitters and, of course, on Facebook. You can go and join. There's like two million of the people of you people out there just like doing stuff on there. Keep doing that. That's that's us just about done. Lucy has to take William climbing. I do, and lots and lots of love and good luck to Witherspoon, and get home soon because Angus Haggis and handsome husband are missing you, no doubt. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare Short Term Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. 